What's up Raider Nation, Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. It's Friday and we're coming up on the end of the first week of free agency, so that's going to dominate our news today. And apologies if I do miss out on a normal news story this week. I'll try and circle back next week and cover anything that I miss. But of course, I won't forget about your questions as that's always going to be a part of this podcast. And on that note, to have your questions answered on a future show, tweet them at me at mholder95 or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com at mholder95 or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. All right, let's dive into it. So here's how I'm going to do this. I'll give my introduction that I usually do for the new guys who join the team, going over their background and all that good stuff. And I'll go into order by signing. Then next week, once things calm down a little bit, I'll circle back on the guys that are leaving and possibly touch on a few free agents that the Raiders missed on. But for the foc- but the focus for this week is going to be on the new guys. First up, cornerback and kick returner Darius Phillips. Phillips was the first signing for Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler this week inking a one-year, $2.25 million contract. In college at Western Michigan, Phillips was a two-time max special teams player of the year and had six return touchdowns in addition to 12 interceptions as a corner. He was a fifth-round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals back in 2018 and participated in 47 games and started 10 of them, with eight starts coming in 12 games during the 2020 season. The former Western Michigan Bronco also is a bit of a ball hawk as he has five career interceptions, four of which came in 2019 when he only played in eight games. Phillips will likely be a depth piece on defense and a special teams contributor for the Raiders. Bilal Nichols was the Raiders' next signing as he agreed to join the squad on a two-year $11 million deal. Nichols is another guy who will be playing on his second NFL contract as he was drafted out of Delaware in 2018 by the Chicago Bears, where he had spent his entire career until this point. The former Blue Hen was a first-team All-Colonial Athletic Association selection as a senior in college, and he racked up 110 total tackles, 16 for loss, 12 sacks, and three years in college. He went on to be a fifth-round pick of the Bears, and as a pro, he's played in 60 career games with 49 starts, including 15 starts last season, and he's put up some solid pass rush numbers with 11 career sacks, five of which came in 2020, and he's had 31 and 32 pressures in the last two seasons when his playing time has increased. As I'm sure you guys know by now, the Raiders desperately need defensive tackles this offseason, so as of right now, it looks like Nichols could have a starting spot heading into training camp. Then, when things started getting frustrating for a lot of Raider fans, McDaniels and Ziegler made their first big splash move by signing veteran edge rusher Chandler Jones to a three-year, $52 million contract. I'm sure most of you know about Jones by now, he's been flirting with the Hall of Fame career and has been around since 2012 when he was a first-round pick out of Syracuse by McDaniels and Ziegler's former employer, the New England Patriots. The 10-year veteran pass rusher has 107.5 career sacks and has been, going, has been doing this for so long, he's even made an all-decade team for the 2010s. Jones has spent the last six seasons with the Arizona Cardinals and had 10.5 sacks and 47 pressures last year over in the other desert. Also, for those of you that don't know, Chandler is the younger brother of UFC fighter John Bones Jones, who obviously has some connections to Vegas, having won a few fights there. Jones, Chandler that is, will be the starting will be starting for the Silver and Black and will likely be playing in a stand-up outside linebacker type of role for new defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. While this wasn't a free agency move per se, Las Vegas did make a trade with the Indianapolis Colts, exchanging defensive end Yannick Ngakwe with cornerback Rocky Sin. In case you were wondering, no picks were involved in the trade, just a swapping of the players and what was essentially a corresponding move to the Jones joining the team. Yassin is originally came from Decatur, Georgia and went to FCS Presbyterian College out of high school. 
He was at Presbyterian for three years before transferring to Temple and becoming the Colts' second-round pick back in 2019. Yassin has 137 total tackles, 20 pass deflections, and two interceptions during his three seasons in the NFL. Last year, he was one of Pro Football Focus's highest-graded corners in man coverage and reached a 72.4 coverage grade overall. The former Owl is expected to start on the other side of Trayvon Mullen, as of right now that is, but like Mullen, Yassin will be entering the last year of his rookie contract, so I wouldn't be surprised if McDaniels and Ziegler use this season to see who they want to bring back for a second contract. To meet our former Patriots joining the Raiders quota for the week, running back Brandon Bolden, Bolden is headed to Vegas. At the time of recording, the details of Bolden's contract have not been released, but Bolden has been introduced as a Raider and said this was a pretty cool moment for him as his grandfather, Frank Pitts, played for the Raiders back in 1974. Bolden is originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and went to Ole Miss for college, racking up about 3,400 yards from scrimmage and 33 rushing and receiving touchdowns as a Rebel. He signed as an undrafted free agent with the New England Patriots in 2012, spending six years there before moving to Miami to play for the Dolphins for a year and then returning to Boston for the last three seasons, though he did opt out of 2020 due to COVID-19. The former Patriot has about 2,200 yards from scrimmage and 18 touchdowns to his name as a pro, and it'll be interesting to see how McDaniels uses Bolden as the Raiders do have their RB1 in place with Josh Jacobs and have just restructured Kenyon Drake's contract, who is more of the receiving back. I hope you're not too sick of hearing about former Patriots because one of Bolden's backfield mates, fullback Jacob Johnson, is also joining the Silver and Black as he signed a one-year $1.5 million contract. Johnson has a pretty cool background story. He was born and grew up in Germany and played on a U19 team in the German Football League before moving to Jacksonville, Florida for his senior year of high school. He ended up being a four-star recruit and playing at the University of Tennessee as a defensive lineman and tight end. After college, he returned to the GFL for a year and entered in the NFL's International Player Pathway program, eventually signing with the Patriots in 2019. Johnson was a practice squad player at first, but when James Devlin suffered an injury, Johnson became the first player from the International Pathway program to play in an NFL game. The German and former volunteer doesn't have a whole lot of box score stats, only 13 receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown with no carries, but per PFF, he's only allowed two pressures on 50 pass blocking snaps in his entire career. Johnson will likely compete with Sutton Smith for a roster spot during training camp. The Raiders did add a wide receiver this week. Mack Holland signed a one-year deal where the amount has yet to be disclosed. Hollins is a native of Rockville, Maryland, and went to North Carolina for college. As a Tar Heel, he racked up 81 catches for 1,667 yards for an impressive 20.6 career yards per catch and 20 touchdowns. In 2017, he was drafted in the fourth round by the Philadelphia Eagles and was in Philly until the end of the 2019 season when he was waived and claimed off waivers by the Miami Dolphins, where he spent the last two and a quarter seasons, if you will. The UNC product has caught 56 balls for 750 yards and 6 touchdowns during his career and has been a significant contributor on special teams. Hollins adds some much-needed depth to Las Vegas' receiving corps and projects to be a significant contributor on special teams. McDaniels and Ziegler continue to address the secondary during free agency as they sign cornerback Anthony Averett to a one-year $4.5 million deal. Averett is originally from Woodbury, New Jersey and is a nephew of former Pro Bowl offensive tackle Bryant McKinney. Averitt went on to play his college ball at Alabama, where he won two national championships. After Bama, he was the Ravens' fourth-round pick of the 2018 draft and played in 44 games with 21 starts during his four seasons in Baltimore. Averitt racked up 101 total tackles and three interceptions, all of which came this past season, and has 22 career passes defended, 
with 18 in the past two seasons combined. He was a starter for the Ravens for 14 games this past season, partially due to all the injuries they had at corner, and could mix into Las Vegas' starting lineup in 2022, or at least be a part of the rotation. If you're wondering where all the offensive line signings have been, well, the Raiders did sign an offensive tackle Alex Bars, however the terms have not yet been disclosed. Bars originally hails from Nashville, Tennessee, and went to Notre Dame for college. With the Fighting Irish, he participated in 36 games with 32 starts and signed as an undrafted free agent in Chicago in 2019. In the NFL, he's played in 38 games with 11 starts and has allowed 3 sacks and 12 pressures during his limited playing time according to Pro Football Focus. As of right now, he's got a chance to at least compete to start at right tackle, but I'd expect the Raiders to continue to make additions to the position between the rest of free agency and the draft. In a similar move, Las Vegas made the re-signing of Jackson Barton official, and he'll likely be competing with Bars for a roster spot. McDaniels is certainly doing his best to lead the league in receiving yards from running backs this season as the Raiders have signed another pass-catching back, Amir Abdullah. Abdullah is from Homewood, Alabama and played at Nebraska in college, where he was a Heisman candidate at one point and accumulated nearly 4,600 rushing yards and 62 rushing touchdowns to go along with 690 receiving yards and 7 receiving touchdowns during his four-year career. The former Cornhusker went on to be the Detroit Lions' second-round pick in 2015 and spent four years with the Lions before spending four more years with the Minnesota Vikings from 2018 to 2021. However, he was released from the Vikings about halfway through last season and finished the year with the Carolina Panthers. Abdullah has about 2,400 career yards from scrimmage and nearly 3,000 career return yards to go along with 13 total touchdowns. Like Bolden, it'll be interesting to see how McDaniels plans to use Abdullah in the offense, and he might be competing for a roster spot, which having the background as a returner should help with. I believe that's it. Oh, well there was this one trade. Devontae Adams is going to be a freaking Raider, guys. In case you guys have been asleep for the last 24 hours or so, somehow, someway, McDaniels and Ziegler pulled off the trade of the century, sending the Raiders' first and second round picks in this year's draft, picks 22 and 53 to the Green Bay Packers for all-pro, all-world wide receiver Devontae Adams. Part of the trade also includes a new five-year, $141.25 million contract, which comes out to about $28.5, or excuse me, $28.25 million per year and is the richest contract ever for a wide receiver. I'm sure most of you know about Adam's resume by now, but he's a Bay Area original from East Palo Alto, went to Fresno State with Derek Carr, coincidentally was the 53rd pick in the 2014 draft, and has spent his entire eight-year career in, eight, in Green Bay. He's been an All-Pro twice, Pro Bowler five times, has 669 receptions for 8,121 yards and 73 touchdowns. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he's going to start for the Raiders this fall. One hell of a get for the silver and black, and I honestly can't think of a bigger trade in my lifetime as Raider fan. Can't wait, baby. Now that we've got all that out of the way, let's get to your questions. And reminder, if you want to have your questions answered on a future show, tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First question, when will Hunter Renfro get his contract extension and what price range will it be in? Well, I can tell you in full disclosure, this uh, question was sent to me before the Devontae Adams trade happened, so I kind of understand where it's coming from. Um, you know, I'm the one fallout or one of the fallouts that I do think that can happen with this uh, Devontae Adams trade is, you know, maybe they won't, they won't be able to afford Hunter Renfro or, um, you know, they'll end up letting him walk. Reason being is Hunter Renfro right now on spot track has a market value of $17 million per year. 
And after seeing Christian Kirk get about that, I think Christian Kirk was about $18 million, if I remember off the top of my head, something like that. I got a feeling Hunter Renfro is going to come in pretty similar. And if you think about it, if Devontae Adams is making $28 million and Hunter Renfro comes in making 15 well, that's what, $43 million right there dedicated to two receivers, plus having to pay the quarterback. And, I mean, there's Darren Waller, too, who either they're going to have to make a decision on or a tough decision on two. So I get the feeling that this might squeeze Hunter Renfro out. Um, you know, hopefully they can finagle the cap and keep him around. I love a guy like Hunter. But, yeah, he's probably going to be pretty expensive, especially it's going to be hard to have much leverage when you're paying the other guy or a guy in the receiver room the richest contract in that position's history. Um, so obviously the Raiders are willing to spend at the position. It's just a matter of how much. And I, I kind of get the feeling he's going to be in for a big payday. Again, hopefully they can bring him around. We'll see what happens. But it's going to be tough now with Devontae Adams in, in the uh, building. Next up, based on free agency, looks like offense will be the focus of the draft. But there's still some gaps in the secondary. What dark horse is out there, is out there that, uh, that could shore that up? Well, like, I, like you kind of mentioned, um, with the way things have co- kind of unfolded, I get the feeling that they're going to probably try and go with an offensive lineman, probably a right tackle, unless they sign somebody in the next couple of days. But that's kind of the route that I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going with with their third-round pick to address the secondary. I definitely agree with you on that point. I will admit that uh, I am not exactly robust on my, my sleepers in the secondary. I've been focusing on uh, first-round wide receivers in my draft prep lat lately. Obviously, that's kind of off the table, so good on me. I wasted all that time. But anyway, uh, a few corners that I've kind of looked at that I think could be mid-round targets that might be some a few quote-unquote sleepers, if you will. Tyreek Woodland out of UTSA. He's a guy that's a tall corner, um, about six foot four, and can run. I think uh, someone was sharing his athletic chesting little spider chart, and basically everything was in like the 90th percentile, 95th percentile, and better or better. Um, like I said, a really fast guy that I think can be a good mid-round target for the Raiders. Um, a little bit of a late bloomer, uh, didn't start, I believe until his about junior year started as a, started out as a wide receiver over at, uh, UTSA. And again, um, you know, guy with a lot of tools, if you will. The next guy would be Darion Kendrick, who I'd probably be a little bit more stoked on, but he just ran like a four seven at his pro day at UGA at Georgia, excuse me. So I'm not exactly high on him right now, but a guy that I thought, um, were, or a Definitely a case for me where I thought his tape didn't match his measurement number, so probably going to have to go back and take a look at that. Um, and then the last name, a guy I don't know as much about, but he's definitely in that mid-round range um, that could be in, t- in, in play for the Raiders. going to be Mario Goodrich out of Clemson. He's a guy that I've kind of got on my list to watch, haven't gotten around to now. Now that the Raiders are going to be picking in the, in the mid-rounds, he's uh, definitely going to be moving up the priority list and someone that I'm going to be taking a closer look at and get back to you guys. But those are three names to take a look at in the time being for you guys. Tyreek Woolen, UTSA, Darian Kendrick, uh, University of Georgia, and then Mario Mario Goodrich, Clemson. All right, question three here. After the issues with Leatherwood, should the Raiders be weary about drafting a right tackle again and get some experience at the position? Well, I do think they, I would have liked them to add a veteran right tackle, the guy that I think a lot of people had on their minds and the guy that a lot of people thought of was Morgan Moses. I forget exactly where he ended up signing, but he ended up signing somewhere else and for a relatively cheap deal. So I was a little disappointed they didn't make a move on that. And the right tackle market is kind of tough right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of guys that really stand out. Moses, you know, was probably one of the the biggest and maybe the only real major name or major player at the position. The problem with moving veterans is if you get a guy like, say, for example, and and this won't happen, but a Taron Armstead, say he signs with the Raiders. Well, Taron Armstead or a guy like that or a veteran or whoever 
is going to be playing on the left side for so long. Asking him to switch to the right is a little is a lot harder than you realize. We I know we do that with college draft prospects, but you also got to remember those guys are 20, 21, 22 years old and maybe have only played left tackle or on one side for for a year or two. Where a lot of the veterans that are out there are going to be guys that have been playing on one side and used to doing things one way for eight, ten years or something like that. So I kind of think or I'm leaning towards or I'm thinking that they're probably going to try and get a, a right tackle like I just mentioned maybe maybe go that route with their now first pick of the draft which is in the third round so as far as you know the issues with Leatherwood that you bring up one of the things that I kind of always take with the with the draft is you can't let a miss um, guide your decisions so yes Leatherwood didn't work out but you also got to remember Leatherwood didn't work out partially because there's some ambiguity about whether he was an actual tackle you know, when you think about a guy like Colton Miller, the biggest thing with Colton Miller was Colton Miller was a legit tackle. That's why there's more optimism about him after his rookie year than there is right now with Leatherwood. So I think that's part of the issue with Leatherwood or part of the issue with I have with, you know, saying like, oh, well, Leatherwood didn't work out. So let's not draft the right tackle again. Well, it's not necessarily the position's fault. It's the players or honestly, your kind of evaluation's fault um, in that regard. So I definitely think they can still draft him and I wouldn't be weary of it. I, but again, I would I would definitely prefer some experience. I just don't know if that's out there right now. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, from an experience perspective, if we're looking at it from that that uh, lens, if they move Denzel Good out to right tackle um, and put Leatherwood at guard. That would almost be their best option at this point, as far as a free agent perspective, or as far as a veteran perspective, I should say. So, um, you know, another thing that I think we'll have to wait and see a little bit, see how. See how a weekend plays out. Um, you know, the two guys that I talked about, I don't even remember their names at this point. Um, you know, those guys, like I said, probably not great options to start at right tackle. Don't have a whole lot of starting experience. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule rule drafting an, a right tackle off the board. But I would definitely, for uh, my sanity and for a little bit of comfort, like to see them try and maybe bring some guy in this weekend or early next week. Got a few Brian Edwards questions, so I'll break them up here and start with the first series. How will Edwards fit at, in at wide receiver with Josh McDaniels? What does he need to improve, and how do you think he's capable of improving? Can he make a similar jump from year to year like Ruggs did? Uh, well, part of it is with Devontae Adams. That's obviously going to diminish um, Brian Edwards' role as an outside wide receiver. And I know my guy Mark John was talking about maybe putting Brian Edwards in at the slot and using, uh, using him as a big slot. That idea is intriguing. The biggest thing for me is that I think he needs to improve is he's not a great separator. Um, and if Josh McDaniels is going to put him in the slot because he does love those slot receivers, that's one thing he's going to have to dramatically improve at. Uh, and as far as if he's being capable of improving, I'm never going to say never, but I think one of the things that worries me about Edwards and to compare him to Ruggs uh, to answer the second part of your question or the third part of your question there, um, the problem with Edwards is his issue in college was separating. So he's still continuing to have that problem in, in the pros. So it's hard for me to sit there and say, oh yeah, all of a sudden he's going to turn the corner and be good at it. You know, at least with Ruggs, yes, he had struggles. He had his struggles as a rookie and then got better. But Ruggs, a lot of Ruggs, the things that Ruggs struggled at in his first year, he was good at in college. So you kind of see that growth. So that's where I think it gets a little bit hairy with Edwards. Um, you know, it's getting to the point where I don't know how much confidence uh, I have him anymore or even the organization has in him, him anymore. I think this is going to be a huge year for him, obviously being year three. Where he fits in, um, you know, like Mark John said, he's done a lot more research on it and done a lot more studying on the McDaniel system than I have. So I'll go with that as the slot receiver. You know, I think at this point, especially with Devontae Adams there, he's probably looking at 
more of a reserve role and a guy that comes off the bench. So it'll be tough sledding because typically the guys, if you think about the Patriots wide receivers, those they're those uh, little guys with a certain complexion that can be shifty and move a little bit more like Hunter Renfro if you catch my drift. So yeah, I don't I don't know how a uh, Brandon Edwards is really going to fit. I don't know if this is the great offense for him. All right, next Edwards question. Now that the Adams news has dropped, how do you see Edwards' real world changing if it does? I can tell you it definitely is going to. Kind of like what I was talking about a little bit or just a second ago, I definitely think Edwards is going to go back to more of a reserve role, probably more of a, maybe the first wide receiver off the bench, kind of, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely not going to be starting anymore at this point. I think if you're, you're looking at the Raiders offense, you're looking at Delonte, Waller, and uh, Renfro as your wide receivers, then I guess, yeah, maybe you you add Edwards in as the fourth guy. But I, I honestly don't think that adding a wide receiver in the draft isn't off the table. I don't think it's obviously nearly as oppressing of a need. don't think they're going that um, with their third-round pick. But I can definitely see them still adding somebody in the in the fourth or fifth round that maybe can compete with the that maybe can compete with Edwards for that fourth spot because it's obviously that guy doesn't exactly need to be a, a dynamic game changer like they did um, just a few hours like they needed uh, just a few days ago. So yeah, definitely a diminished role for Edwards moving forward. Last question here: Fletcher Cox and play for the Raiders, vet DT, and draft some rookies to play around him. Uh, I would definitely be up for Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox, depending on what the price tag is. Although I was just seeing now, yes, he got cut by Philly, but they're trying to bring him back on looks like a new deal. So I don't know if it's going to happen. This might be a little bit of a non-starter. But yeah, Fletcher Cox can uh, come in at under the cap um, and not screw the Raiders over in the future and on maybe like a two, three-year deal, kind of what they've been doing except for Adams. Um then I would definitely be up for Fletcher Cox. Great pass rusher, great run defender. Would instantly come in and be the best of fats of tackle on the roster. Would make one hell of a pa- or one hell of a defensive line with Chandler Jones, Fletcher Cox, and Max Crosby. But again, it does sound like he's going to go back to the Eagles. Sounds like he might be an Eagle for life. I think uh, I did see something about he was potentially getting traded to the Raiders last year. So it sounds like unfortunate. It might be one of those things that. Raiders end up flirting with, but never end up happening. But yeah, I mean, if he's in play for the Raiders, or excuse me, if he's not going to re-sign with Philly, I definitely think the Raiders should go after him, again, depending on what that price tag is, because the Raiders, uh, they lost some cap space to, uh, yesterday. So That'll do it for this week's episode. You all know where to find me on Twitter, AdamHolder95. Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. Thank you guys for submitting all the questions this week. This was an awesome. I'm super stoked about Devontae Adams. I hope you guys are too. Tell us how stoked you are in our comment section. Drop those five-star reviews. Tell us about what you're most excited about with Devontae Adams. Help us get some boosts and, get to, and help us grow. Other than that, until next week, guys.